This is the Do Good Better podcast with Trina Isaacson. Greetings from Myanmar, the country also known as Burma, which is where I am right now. It's been a while since I podcasted, and it's because I'm in Myanmar for about six months doing a volunteer consulting role. I found out about it um, in early August, and so that really put everything else in my life on hold, including this podcast. Uh, so since the offer to come to Myanmar, I decided to put any new interviews on hold, and I'm just instead going to bring you the interviews I had already completed before I left Canada. Uh, apologies, I have a bit of a cold. I'm actually home from work today and only really have the energy to sit at my computer. So I'll try to edit out as many of the sniffles as I can. But today, I'm excited to share a conversation that I had with Michael Lenzner, CEO of Aja, based in Montreal, Canada. We get to talking about nonprofits and data, especially open data, which Michael explains in the conversation. Um, I find it really curious that the content of our talk is directly related to my work here in Myanmar. My official title is Stakeholder Mapping Consultant. I'm working with a local nonprofit capacity building organization called Local Resource Center. And the work that I'm doing is going to be focusing on one or maybe three uh, states and digging into civil society, also known as uh, the nonprofit sector in North America, but referred to as civil society in Myanmar. So I'm looking into finding out who's doing what where, who's working with youth, who's working on gender violence, who's doing access to market work or job training, what's the technical capacity of these community-based organizations, um, what government policies do they feel help or hinder their work, and how do they connect with other civil society or community-based organizations. Um, I'm specifically interested in local community-based organizations, not so much the uh, international NGOs that do work in Myanmar. And rather than doing this research in a bubble, I'm connecting with other organizations that also collect data, but perhaps not at the level I'll be focusing on, just to make sure that I don't replicate work that already exists, which is a huge problem as it relates to data and data collection. Um, and I also want to be sure that the data that I do collect is collected in such a way that it can be shared and it can be incorporated into other data sets. So in Myanmar, the UNDP has an initiative here called MIMU, which stands for the Myanmar Information Management Unit. And they collect information on a variety of things, including who's doing what where. They call it 3W, who, what, where. Um, they focus more so on international NGOs and uh, large groups like UNDP um, and also uh, larger nonprofit organizations in Myanmar, often based in Yangon. Anyways, I can use that data to plan my research methodology to choose, say, villages that I focus my work on or finding out contacts to uh, get in touch with. But I can also use it to make sure that I collect data that can be shared back into their system as long as the organizations are okay with that. The Mimu shares their data openly in an Excel file, so it's totally wonderful. But there are some organizations in Myanmar that might not want other people to know, aka the government here, that they exist or that they're doing the work that they're doing. So I need to be cognizant of who wants their data to be shared and who would rather just participate in conversations, provide input, and then uh, stay anonymous otherwise. Anyways, the work that I'm doing here is really fascinating. I'm looking forward to sharing more about it on my blog, and uh, so you can read information there at trinaisaacson.com. But today, in the interview ahead, uh, I'm interviewing Michael, and he references a lot of Canadian stuff in our conversation, but the same issues exist in the U.S. and around the world as it relates to the nonprofit sector and data. 
Uh, we recorded this conversation back in June, and I have some updates to share about a collaboration between me and Michael's social initiative powered by data. So listen for the update after our conversation on some work that we're trying to do in BC. Uh, and before I get started, I do want to apologize for the sound quality on this one. It's not quite up to snuff, but I still wanted to share this uh, really enlightening conversation. Here we go. Can you tell me by starting off your name and who you are or what you do? So I'm Michael Lansner. I'm CEO of a company called Azure, based here in Montreal. And we bring in public and open data about the nonprofit sector and then um, create services and solutions for the nonprofit sector using that information. Um, we have a commercial service called Fun Tracker, and then we do consulting for people besides that. But we have a social initiative also called Powered by Data. And um, the goal of that service is to help the nonprofit sector um, have access to more information. You mentioned in your intro uh, using public data and open data. When you're talking about data, what sort of data are you talking about? Are you talking about like graphs and charts? Are you talking about spreadsheets? Like what, what's the format and what is the, what are the sources and what are the content of the data you're talking about? Well, I guess one thing is, is I could kind of explain open data for any of your listeners that maybe don't have a solid definition of that or understanding of that. Uh, open data is data that is, um, under a copyright that says anybody can use it. So people can use it, people can actually make commercial uses of it and sell it, incorporate it into other things. Um, so that's one aspect where the data has to be under a license that says it can be used broadly. And then secondly, it has to be machine readable. So that kind of eliminates all of the PDFs and scanned versions of things, um, or Microsoft Word documents, even proprietary. So uh, there are open data policies. You know, Vancouver was a leader in this space. The government uh, adopted an open data policy. And so this is often with government information. Um, so companies can create open data. Nonprofits can make data open just by using a license and making it available. But it's often something that is really centered on government information. And the idea is that government collects information in service of, of the people, that it's our tax dollars, um, as citizens, we have the right to know all this information. So how can government by making this information available, one, that it should because of transparency, but secondly, that it has a tremendous amount of information that is very valuable, very, very potentially valuable, not just information that it collects on purpose like stats can um, to be able to have information, but information collected in the course of its operations, and that's called administrative data. So um, whether that information is, you know, the number of dog licenses that it has, which may be interesting to you know pet store owners to know whether or not there are more more or less pets, you know, in Vancouver, and it's a month to month or year to year. To the information that I pull in, which is really who funds who in the nonprofit sector, um, is the type of information we have. So, if you have this question of if you look at to try to find out who funds who, and that's a problem that is important for us to know, and you spend a lot of time trying to figure that out that information, the government has a lot of that data. Um, so one place to have the data is the Canada Revenue Agency at the federal level, where it collects data from all the foundations and all the charities that are required to submit information about their activities and from the foundations and from the charities that includes any gifts they give out. Um, there's also information um, on who funds who from the provincial and federal and municipal government, which programs they have and which departments are giving what amounts for nonprofits. 
Also, if you go to any of the federal permits and you look on their websites under, there's a link to transparency. And you can see actually, if you follow that link, there's records of all the grants made to nonprofits since 2005, um, any grants made over $25,000. So there's great sources of data in Canada about, about gifts that are made. And what my company does, Azure, is we pull that information in and make that into product, into our fund tracker service. And then people buy that service, but we can also take that and offer other kinds of services with it. So obviously, uh, you know, fund tracker, your commercial product, helps people fundraise more effectively by understanding the funding environment and looking at new potential sources of grants based on who's funding who, as you're talking about. But other than the funding uh, environment, what are some other ways that this set of data may be useful to the nonprofit sector? We have something called Landscape that we made available for free. Um, it's on landscape.azure.ca. And that lets you see, um, because the feds have information about the grants they give out, and sometimes different funders actually produce descriptions of what the project is for. So um, we collect that information, the ones that have product descriptions, and put that all in the same place. You can search through that. So, you know, obviously you're aware of and you've probably been involved in different exercises to map out places in the sector. So who's working with girls in D.C. or who's working uh, on immigrant integration uh, in Vancouver or, you know, any of these different exercises we're continuously, repetitively trying to find out who's working on what in the nonprofit sector. And it's not just within, it's with our government, you know, our government peers. It's, you know, funders are always trying to find out um, who's working on what. So we're constantly mapping out who's doing what, and, and we always, pretty much almost always do that manually. So there's this great source of information. If you look at all the funds, you know, if you want to find out who's working with girls, then all the projects being funded by status of women is a great source of data. And through landscape, you can actually search through that data. It's says so many all the projects from status of women in PC from 2009 to 2014, and that's information that you, you can pull into an Excel sheet. Yeah. So that's just an example of, of one thing that can be done. Um, but there's, uh, you know, everything from helping out associations that are trying to understand what is going on with their members so they can advocate for them better, so they can offer them services. There's a lot of um, possibilities to help them. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if you get into other sources of data, like legislative data or lobbying data or... Um, pre-budget consultations, there's lots of very important data um, about the nonprofit sector that is held by government that it's very laborious for us currently to get access access to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, So those are the kind of things you work on powered by data is to open up access to all those things. So so we help funders and governments open their data to the nonprofit sector in useful ways. Interesting. Now, and so when I think about like landscape, the, the name of the site that's publicly available um, it really is about like what's the landscape of a certain subsector or a certain uh, group that's getting served by the nonprofit sector or a certain geographic area. You're really able to get a sense of opportunities for collaboration or what the patterns are and the activities that are that are occurring. Yeah, I think that's really powerful. Um, in a, in a blog post recently, you referenced open referral. Could you tell me a little bit more about that? So open referral is a, it is a strategy. It's also the name of a standard 
in the nonprofit sector, there's reply standards to, for a lot of different areas. This is a data publication standard. So this is a standard for how do you publish a certain type of information. And that information is really the information of who, which nonprofits are offering what services. Is the main type of data we're talking about uh, when you look at that. The problem it's trying to solve is the problem that information and referral agencies or nonprofits um, are working on currently. Information and referral agencies are also called two-in-one providers. Uh, they were initiated, I believe, by the United Ways. The idea is that individuals need help and they don't know where to go sometimes. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one problem that they try to address. So you can go to this information referral agency and they can help you. Or you can call them up if they have access to a two-in-one number. They set that up in their geographic area. The same way three-in-one is for cities and nine-in-one is for emergencies. Um, the second use case is for organizations that are receiving clients that can address all of their needs. So someone um, comes in and uh, they're an immigrant and they need employment service, but they also need um, help around uh, domestic crises. Um, so a nonprofit then has to find out where they can refer this person. So even though community information referral groups do ha- have done a great job of, of you know, creating an innovative service, finding out who's doing what, and keeping that up to date in terms of hours and times and languages and what services are available. Um, and they've you know, often made websites. And they're starting to federate their information provincially. So in BC, you have that. In Ontario, you have that. We're in BC 2-in-1 and Ontario 2-in-1, where I think all the information from all the 2-in-1s is available in a central location and, and phone number. Um, except it's not quite enough yet where, you know, if, um, for example, Kids Help Phone, they, uh, it's a national organization, just, just any example, they want to help their clients access community health services in their areas and for them to get information from all the two owning providers across Canada yeah. is too hard. It doesn't work. Not all of the provinces are set up that way. Even for Ontario and BC, we're not yet in a mature place for making that information available. You know, people are often trying to find out what's available in my city, and it's not quite easy enough to get that information from two one providers. Because of that, um, some people got to work on creating a new standard to share that information. So a way of sharing that information already existed, but the way that it was shared, you could only make sense of it with software that's meant for that purpose. So I couldn't share it with the United Way, and the United Way couldn't open that file. Or if you're a master's researcher at your university, you want to find out all the updated programs, working, you know, people working with immigrants, even if the two-in-one people sent you that file, um, it wasn't something you could open. Um, or if, you know, if they exported some information to you and you got it from two or three different two-in-one providers, all those files would, be, would look different in Excel. Hmm. So this is a format of, of a standard way of exchanging that information, and it's in a flat file, which means you can open it up in a it's CSV, which means you can open it up in Excel. Hmm. But really the goal behind that is to say, not only are we going to share information in the standard way, or not only can we share information in the standard way through this protocol, through this uh, data standard, we're going to encourage the opening up of 201 providers to share their information. So... Um, when you do that as a two-on-one provider, you're certainly worrying, well, what if people decide they don't need me anymore? Mm. Um, uh, so they're trying to figure out 
for their long-term sustainability, maybe they were going to leverage this information, their role, to be able to assure their funding uh, by offering, you know, access to their data. However, by keeping it closed and keeping it, you know, tied to specific areas across Canada, it makes the data not that useful. And that's why right now as a sector, we don't have access to that information. Mm. Right. So we just did a project um, for a client where we had to find out, you know, services available for Aboriginal Canadians um, in certain geographic areas. And we tried to go get access from two-on-one organizations to that data. And in the end, um, you know, we'd have somebody get back to us two months later and say, oh, it costs $100 for the data that you're looking for. So that's great, and it's great that it's successful, but it's not yet easy enough for people to really use it Mm -hmm. um, so that they can have access to it quickly and also um, they can integrate that information into other services or integrate, you know, do research on that data to find out you know, how does the stats can data of, of immigrants that speak um, a specific language correlate with the services available in that language across the country? So that's the type of things that we could do and, and we can't do yet at this moment for the most part. Um, so that's the kind of things that work on and, and that data publication standard is, uh, we think, presents the solution of how to move forward with that. In that blog entry, um, when we said that we were going to be partnering with, with um, people that were endorsing the standard, we were going to endorse the standard here in Canada, uh, it actually mentioned that Open 2-in-1 or 2-in-1 Ontario will actually be starting to do trials with that data standard this summer. So, so it's, it's, uh, it's happening internally. You mentioned there's a lot that needs to happen in order for open referral to be a common standard um, across Canada or in certain geographic areas, what in order to make this shift to better data practices, who are the most important stakeholders to making this happen? So that's a great question. I wish you know I wish I had um, very exact sense of that. You know, this is very much of an, an emerging space. You know, the first thing that when we're looking at doing some of this work that we've seen so far in terms of what makes it successful is organizations need to have the resources to be able to kind of even think about this this space, which means they can't be, you know, organizations that are dealing with funding cuts or that have two or three staff. Um, so some of the people that we've worked with so far are um, groups of funders that are trying to say, we actually, you know, to be able to track impact and, and work well, we need to find out um, who's funding our space and then be able to figure out how we can collaborate better together. But we need to have a baseline and then to, to update that over time. So those are people that are leading the way to some extent. Um, the other ones are just the traditional people um, of the sector leaders like Ontario Nonprofit Network in Ontario, um, Imagine Canada. Um, obviously, uh, Vancouver Foundation made an announcement um, a month or two ago about that they wanted to open up their information. Um, so, you know, they're kind of the, some of the typical leaders and that includes government agencies. I think the two other groups are that there are actually people that specifically set up to work on these problems. So people like community information referral or the information referral providers, they've been set up directly just to address this problem. So there are people that are, have a lot of skin in the game. But there's also people like Canada Helps that is an example um, of, of organizations that are set up to solve information and technology problems. Yeah. Also, I'm not sure if you have them in BC, but social planning councils. Uh, yeah, not the, to the same extent that you do in Ontario. We don't have them in Quebec, but 
those organizations where they're really like they've been helping school boards and, and social services organizations, you know, do analysis of the needs of their community using StatScan data for decades. Um, so there are people that are out there doing this work, and, and the third group I think are the people in the basements that have been doing this work also in the individual organizations um, for a long time, and just kind of doing them without a lot of uh, hoopla or fanfare. So there's a bunch of people that know about the importance of this work, um, and what we're working on now is bringing them together and saying, you know, how can we, you know, what direction are we going in, and if we if we, you know, put this down on paper. Or if we kind of spell this out, how could we work more effectively together um, to get there sooner? Are, are there actions that individual organizations can take to get on board or prepare for future kind of sector-wide data strategies? Or is it really, um, is this a bigger picture question at this point? Um, so I've often been asked that at conferences when I do speak about data in the nonprofit sector, people say, well, how can my organization get involved or well, my organization has some data and, and, and we think it's kind of valuable, but how can we open it up? Um, and for really for smaller organizations, I haven't seen that done in a way that is effective or a way that is really worth organizations' time because opening up your data, if it's a, if it's a data set that is not automatically updated and it's not fairly large, then it really has not a lot of value. It's not it doesn't have value, but it, it's not tremendously valuable. And people aren't going to necessarily jump on it just because you uh, make it available on your website mm-hmm. and um, send out a newsletter about it. it. That takes work to attract researchers and collaborators to your data set. Yeah. Um, so for the individual nonprofits, I think it's harder. For those organizations where data is already being identified as a key component, so, you know, I think about organizations like Food Secure Canada, where they're already collecting information about the food environment across Canada. Um, uh, organizations, you know, again, that are a little bit bigger, that, that have that have a sense of, you know, where they are going, where they want to be in 10 years, and where those battles are they want to fight, um, to have, like, baselines of information and be able to track the way that policy is being implemented by collecting certain data sets. Um, there's a lot of stuff... There's a lot of um, ability that they or of opportunity for them to take advantage of existing open data policies um, to request information that maybe maybe they didn't have access to before, or maybe just that it was laborious for them to access and laborious for them to then treat that data. Whereas if they say, actually, we're going to request um, specific data sets from the province or from these three provinces, all these provinces that open, open data policies or the provinces and the cities, and we want it in this specific format, uh, that's, those are opportunities that are, that are currently, I think, open and are not being exploited enough by the nonprofit sector. And then beyond that, I think, you know, the, the ONN in Ontario is, is looking at this idea of creating a data strategy. It's doing more than looking at it. It's working to, to create a data strategy for the nonprofit sector in Ontario in collaboration with a lot of other organizations. And then in, in Vancouver, there's Vancouver Foundation taking the lead. I think there's a lot of possibility for people to start to get together in their either subsectors um, or together with open data people from the provinces or from the municipalities to say, how could we... Uh, how could we do our work better by making this data that we use that is produced by one actor over here that is consumed by these three people over here? How can we make that less frictionful? Mm-hmm. 
know if that's a word. <laughs> <laughs> I know what you mean by it, though. I make up words like that all the time. So generally, when it comes to the, the sense of where, what the state of data, open data for the nonprofit sector, is there still a lot of kind of, a, there's talking about talking and the actions that are being taken are still very emergent? Or where where are things going to be heading over the next year or two? Well, actually, I don't think we're really talking yet, um, is my characterization. We're talking about open data for society, right? And that's saying, how can we get citizens involved using open data? How can we create you know, opportunities for new startups to open data? How can we bring together, you know, connect citizens with government or create better government services? That's the discussion I see, you know, happening open data has been happening for the last 10 years. And it still needs to happen. And then in the nonprofit sector, we're talking about how can we use data better? What are the new ways to use data? Um, and that's a great conversation as well. But this conversation of, you know, how can, what government does, what data does BC government have that could enable the nonprofit sector in BC? I don't see that conversation happening. Mm. And that's the one that we're trying to make, we're trying to encourage. Yeah. And it's a really important one. It's a luxury of independent folks like you and I to be able to step back and ask some of those important questions and dig a little bit because most organizations who are providing direct services are not thinking um, at that level with respect to data. They're thinking at big pictures, perhaps related to other government policies, but not necessarily how the government and how funders might be able to better serve the sector by um, by better standardization and distribution and collection and sharing of of good data. Yeah, and then there, there are some individual projects that really where that does happen. So if you look at how the homelessness um, organizations across Canada have standardized how they collect yeah. data, and then I think they are successfully making that data available to researchers. Mm-hmm. So it happens here and there in the nonprofit sector, but for some reason it doesn't make it through into... Um, its own pra- area of practice yeah. and its own kind of thing for discussion. So there's people doing wonderful work, but we're not we're not looking at the potential mm-hmm. to do that kind of at a larger scale. You know, something that's not happening at all. It's just um, it's it could happen uh, certainly happen more. It's in very early stages, I guess you could say. Um, I was at the Association of Nonprofit and Social Economy Research Conference uh, about a month ago, and one of the sessions was uh, was related to the social economy and in particular social enterprises and, a, and huge surveys that are done in different provinces across Canada and with really interesting information about and really basic information about the state of social enterprise, you know, how big they are, what kind of operating budgets they're dealing with, what proportion of their revenue comes from earned revenue versus grants and um, other sources, uh, the number of staff, and just uh, you know financial and organizational administrative data, and and so I asked what you know what is the possibility to share that information, like share the the consistent core of the data across provinces, and that wasn't part of the planning of the research, and so they had questions about uh, research ethics and what they're able to share and what is shareable. Um, but the first instinct is, well, well, we'll have everything, we'll have the reports available on our website. And that goes back to your, the non-scannable PDF and Word document issue. Um, so I hope to, to trigger a conversation with that research a little bit more about the value that's in that data and what could, what it could mean if that data was more broadly 
shared and shareable because it's not right now. Uh, it's just not even on the, ra- the radar. They don't know what they don't know. But there's, there's, there's even just as a way of thinking. So um, you mentioned, you know, attending an answer conference this is for the academic um, study of the nonprofit sector and social economy. Our academics are wonderful collaborators for nonprofit work in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we great, do a great job of, of leveraging that tremendous, um, you know, intelligence and resources of, of you know, universities. But uh, there does need to be a culture shift there as well in terms of their our focus on um, qualitative versus quantitative data. And we have we do have a history of surveying um, surveying nonprofits for information that already exists. Yeah. Um, and so if you look at the use of, you know, Canada has the best data available on its nonprofit sector out of any country in the world. Um, and the use that we made of that is very minimal so far with the T3010 form from the Canada Revenue Agency. Equally, if you look at, you know, that information I was talking about before, all the grants and federal grants contributions, there's a list of all the federal grants and contributions going back to 2005, um, and um, which includes for much of it, project descriptions of what work was done and who the recipients are and everything. And that work, there hasn't been a, sin- hasn't been a single um, paper uh, being done on that work, partially because it's not that available, but also because um, there is a deficit of, of this approach, of quantitative approach to the nonprofit sector um, by researchers. So it's much more based on case studies and um, political economy approaches. Even just doing stuff like a social network analysis of this data where you can see um, the relationships between the different entities because you can see the gifts. Um, um, And I think those things will have an outsize, um, you know, a a huge impact on the sector because our policy can improve and our funding can improve um, once we understand some of the different dynamics of the nonprofit sector works. Mm -hmm. Uh, Was there anything that you had thought about before our conversation today that you haven't had a chance to share? And no, just uh, it's just this is the kind of discussion that you know that we think is not needs to happen, but I think there's tremendous potential and benefit in having them. So I'm happy that you uh, that you reached out, and I'm happy to to talk to you about this today. Well, yeah, and I was just always interested to hear what you're up to um, because things are changing so quickly. So it's nice to catch up. So now for the update I was talking about, me and Michael collaborating on. Um, After Michael and I talked, we had another conversation about the work Michael has done in Ontario on a data strategy for the nonprofit sector there. And we wondered what the interest might be in BC. It's a a different nonprofit landscape in BC, but there is a lot of innovation happening in pockets of the province. Um, And so the big question is, you know, how can sector level data be used to move our missions forward faster and more effectively? Um, So fast forward a month after our conversation, and Michael was a guest at a discussion that I convened and facilitated with a variety of nonprofit leaders that operate at a sector level, you know, major funders, uh, capacity builders, data hubs, organizations that collect data and share data already, um, some higher education folks, and some open data and social innovation leaders from the provincial government. Um, So there was definitely an interest among these leaders to approach data more strategically. But for those who haven't been thinking about this stuff like Michael and I have, they wanted a bit more concrete information to figure out where they might fit in. So uh, after some follow-up conversations that I had, I think the best option is to choose a subsector, a specific issue or or target population. You know, for example, um, food security among children under 12 or refugees and community integration. 
Um, and anyways, pilot a data strategy for that small group of nonprofit organizations. Um, and so we would answer questions like, what baseline data or other data informs their programs? How can data effectively be used for public education, um, government advocacy, or fundraising? What data strategies can we agree on that unite our work? Um, what skills or knowledge is needed to enhance the use of data? Um, how can we find out opportunities for collaboration and ensure that we're not duplicating or overlapping the funding that we provide and the programs that we offer? Um, generally, we want to know what the roadblocks and opportunities are for using data more strategically. So ideally, we can connect a pilot group with an interested funder or funders and play that facilitation, research, and capacity building role in the middle. Anyways, you can read more about it on TrinaIsaacson.com or the link in the podcast description. I plan to outline this pilot soon so that I can work on it once I'm back in Canada, but obviously I'm balancing this with my work here, so it's not going to be a super quick project. Anyways, ta-ta for now! That's it for today's episode. The resources and links mentioned in today's episode are listed in the episode description and at TrinaIsaacson.com. If you'd like to submit a comment or question or want to share how you're doing good better, the instructions are at trinaisaacson.com forward slash podcast. Thank you so much for listening and have a great week.